Welcome to Church Online. I am so excited that you have joined us this morning. I'm Pastor Matt. I pray that our worship will be exciting and uplifting. I pray that the ministry of the Word will work in your heart and that the Lord will do something special. Thank you again for joining us and enjoy the service. Romans chapter 11, verses 11 through 36. Romans 11, and we're going to read verses 11 through 36. Uh, thinking about last week's message, and I've enjoyed just, uh, look, the, the book of Romans is no stranger to controversy and people taking it and weaponizing it and forcing uh, systems of theology over top of it. And look, we're just a hodgepodge here. Like, it's not, you know, if we feel like we have a specific script or something that we have to stick to, uh, that's when things get messy. That's when you start uh, trying to interpret the scripture through a lens instead of just seeing the text for what it is and letting it tell you what you need to do. Uh, but unfortunately, that, that happens, right? We, we get in these modes where maybe a camp or a different group or church is working together, and I'm for that. Uh, but if it happens at the expense of the text and what the Bible is saying, uh, that's not good. It's not healthy. Um, so... Uh, we, we don't want to, good to see you, uh, we, not to draw everybody's attention to you, sorry, I just got happy, uh, you know, the, let's talk about embarrassing, when the pastor knows everybody, <laughs> my goodness, hi, good to see you, just wanted to walk in late, dude, <laughs> um, but, you know, and I'll, this will make a little bit more sense as we continue through through this message, but uh, we don't want to get to that point where it's like we are so vested in a system. We're so vested in how we interpret the text um, that we just kind of wink at things when it doesn't line up. And I don't know about you. I've been there. I've been in uh, churches or groups, right, where um, it just seems like they're trying to force Scripture into their mold, into their narrative. And... Unfortunately, um, the common ground with folks who do that is a cult, right? Other churches that um, start weaponizing scripture to control people and to accomplish something that is not what the Lord wants. How many have watched the, uh, that new Netflix series uh, about the FLDS, Be Sweet or something, Keep Sweet, I think it was. There's a few of you. Man. It's creepy. It's creepy. You know what? It is. It, it, but it's, it's crazy how when you watch that, they're quoting scripture. How many know that like, so when Adolf Hitler was doing what he was doing and, and creating this culture that despised the Jewish people, how many know that he quoted, I found this out this week. I was re I'm reading a book for our small group studies. Uh, which, jump into that. We've got three studies. We're doing one on Sermon of the Mount, one on biblical figures, and mine is on misused scriptures. So we're just taking verses that are taken out of context all the time, and we're uh, exploring those. But anyway, in that book, it, was, it said that Adolf Hitler quoted the passage of scripture in one of his speeches about how Jesus ran them out, the money changers, out of the temple, Right? And then he twisted that and said, see, this is what the Jews are doing, and we have to basically exterminate these people. Hitler's quoting scripture. 
Look, and, and we don't have to go far, right? When we think about cults, how many have ever read books on cults? Anybody? Uh, it's scary. And, and, you know, there are certain, and I'm not trying to nitpick or pick on anybody, right? Uh, I mean, I could for a long time, and it would be fun. No, uh, but I'm just teasing. But, you know, you, you consider the biblical uh, illiteracy is what it is. Like, when people aren't studying their Bibles, like, I'm not up here trying to preach to you, and I, I hope you know this, but, like, I'm not up here preaching my version of the story. I'm, I'm asking you to read along, right? I'm asking you to study along, and, and I'm saying, this is where I'm at on, on the text, and this is what the Lord has given me. But as I do that, I'm saying things that are peer-reviewed. I'm not stepping out on a, on a limb, right? And I'm not alone in what I'm saying. If I ever stand in this pulpit and I say, y'all, I figured it out. I, I found a nugget nobody else in the 2,000 years since Jesus has seen this one. Just systematically stand up and start walking out and be like, he done lost it. It got to him. Ministry got to him. I mean, it's tough being a pastor in 2020, whatever we're in. And it just, I don't even know what year it is. Shoot. After 2020, we just stopped counting. You know, it is what it is. Jeez. But if I ever say that, just be like, we are, we're, we're done. Why? Because even Solomon said in the scriptures, there's nothing new under the sun. You don't come to church to get a new word or a new revelation as it pertains to scriptural interpretation. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give something to you that is peer-reviewed that other people believe too. I ain't on an island. I'm on a continent <laughs> with other Bible believers. And if I'm ever on an island, just leave me there with my volleyball. <laughs> we'll be back in 10 years. <laughs> we'll send a care package because you lost it. And honestly, like, I have seen people in ministry just like they, and this is why pastors go on sabbaticals, right? Because it is, spiritual warfare is real. There's, there are certain jobs that, look, where if I'm giving an account for souls, like the enemy comes and he comes hard, right? And so it's, it's smart for a pastor to find rest. I'm really good at that, though. Just kidding. <laughs> but it's, it's something that, uh, it, it's real, and I've seen pastors get sideways on it. But, and, and, and I, you may think I'm just riffing or having a conversation. It does fit into the, the message today, so bear with me. Come along for the ride. Um, but it's just such a fine line. It's such a fine line between, okay, I'm going to pick on people a little bit. It is what it is. You know, if you're offended, I love you. And when I say these other religions or what <laughs> cults, uh, I, I would sit down with any of you at, for, with, with a coffee. You're welcome to my dinner table, any of you, uh, and we can talk through it. And I have done that. Like there are certain, you know the people who come knocking door-to-door evangelism? Anybody know what they're called? Not the ones that ride bikes. Jehovah Witness. Oh, you said it. I didn't. <laughs> so thank you for bringing that up. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm big on like, open the door, come on in, let's have a conversation. You know, and, and the last time that happened, I was like, yeah, come on in, guys. Let's, let's. What do you like in your coffee? What? Oh, no, I don't need nothing. No, this is, we're going to be here a little while. <laughs> Please, are you hungry? 
Uh, and it's just, I, I listen to what they say and I'm like, no, that is not it. Like, you are twisting, and I don't say it that way. Jesus was not a prophet. He was the son of God. He is, it's very clear in scripture that Jesus is consubstantial. He is of the same substance of the Father and the Holy Spirit. And, and I work, my Father worketh hitherto. I mean, you got the Holy Ghost descending at his baptism. It's better for me that I go away because another in the Greek, it's the same level, same person. It's better for you that I go because he's going to come. It, it, it just all works and ties together. But then when you do a little studying on that specific sect of religion, you find that this guy created his own end times events. And I mean, we're talking, this was a specific time period that and I can't remember the year off the top of my head, but it was this specific guy. And there was a, a theologian in Canada that started reading these things called the Watchtower, these periodicals that were coming out. And he was going, as a, as a, a, a scholar, he was reading these and going, no, this is not... This is not good biblical interpretation. And mind you, that cited in their writings from when their religion got off the ground, it was stated that these were Greek words that this guy knew and was interpreting from original manuscripts, and his interpretation was right. And so this guy, who was an actual Greek scholar from Canada, literally goes to essentially sue this man for false advertisement of religion, if you will. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing the story. He sits on a stand, and the, the founder of this religion, they hold up Greek letters in the courtroom, and guess what he couldn't do? He couldn't identify them. At the root of a cult is ignorance and biblical illiteracy. And someone twisting and shaping someone saying, it's 144,000 people and this is what revelation means and this is an end times event. And, and mind you, some of y'all that are like, you know, you're Tim, Tim LaHaye, ride or die, left behind. That's how I see end times playing out. Like there's other views. There's other perspectives. So let's be careful. That's all I'm saying. Because if we say this is how it is, it is a seven-year tribulation. And there are pastors that preach that way, unfortunately. Uh, and I say that. Unfortunately, why aren't you a pastor? Yeah. What do you believe? What do you think? I think that it could be one of probably three or four different ways. Really? That's encouraging, pastor. You haven't made up your mind? <laughs> what I'm saying is, is it's open-ended. They didn't, they didn't give specifics. And what you're saying is a specific in Daniel chapter 9 is not a specific. There's actually other ways to view and look at it, and none of it affects your salvation. None of it affects the fact that if he chooses to come back now or later, if he chooses to have a seven-year tribulation with us in heaven and everybody else down here, guess what? I'm still the bride of Christ. If we go through the worst of the worst with everybody, guess what? We're not alone. And the church, unfortunately, they like the sound of, well, the Lord's going to come back and snatch us up out of here so we ain't got to deal with all this. Isn't that convenient? I mean, come on now. How convenient is that? Tell the, literally tell Tyndale the reason why we have our biblical translation that was literally opened up 
and his Bible was shoved in his stomach and he was burned at the stake. Tell him that he's going to get snatched out of here before he endures that suffering. And his Bible, I believe, is on display with blood around the edges. Church, they were hunted, they were divided, they were sawn asunder, they were devoured by beasts, people were persecuted. Paul was more than likely beheaded under the Nero administration. Christians were burned at the stake. But yet, before it gets difficult, we Americans, we're going to get snatched up out of here. <laughs> Tim LaHaye said it, I believe it. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. And so we go with what's convenient, we go with what's comfortable, and then before we know it, we're all saying the same thing, sounding the same thing, and I'm just... I mean, that's extreme, but it happens. And we got our colors, and they got theirs, and this is the way we do it, and that's the way... Mm -mm. If anything that this study through Romans has taught me is Paul is like, look, there's the Torah-abiding Jew and there's the non-Torah-abiding Gentile, and both of them are brothers and sisters of Christ. They look different. They act different. They have different ways that they walk through their rituals in terms of their relationship with Jesus, and he has a relationship with both of them, and he's good with it. The trouble is we're not good with it. If God is good with it and we're not good with it, we got a problem. <sighs> We're just going to have a conversation today. I can feel it already. Look, here's my thing. This was the middle of the message, but I'm going to give it to you now. I have no... Uh, let me tell you this. I listen to a... I, I, anybody listen to podcasts in here? Wow, the learning section in the back, the overachievers. <laughs> it was like Rob on everybody's learning. Did you all listen to that podcast together this week? Or <laughs> that was funny. Oh, goodness. Anyway, so I was, I was listening to this podcast this week, and I, I frequent this fellow's podcast, and it's long-form interviews, and for sake of offending someone else today, because I'm already on a real good start, we'll just let it go unnamed, but uh, he was interviewing this guy who is like one of the founders, and I don't know a whole lot about it, but he's like one of the founders of Mosaic. Uh, it's this internet company. He was like at the ground floor in the 80s of email that had like pictures and things in it inside the email. He's a really smart dude, he's a software engineer and he's a billionaire tech giant, this guy, billionaire. And he was like, you know how you hear some people talk and you're like, how did you get that money? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some people it's like, dude, this guy, he like fell into that or something. This guy didn't fall into anything, he's got it. Like he knows how everything on the planet works. And if you watch the interview, it was like this and this and this, and this is how this works. And he's just super smart. I, I felt so stupid listening to it. I was like, man, I'm dumb. <laughs> and I'm sure that was his goal. Mm. But either way, they get to this conversation about 1139. We're still doing okay on time, maybe. He, he gets this part of the conversation where, does anybody see the news story about the Google employee, the software engineer, that bailed because he felt like the Google, one of the, I don't know if it was a server, but the, the machine of Google, he felt like was becoming sentient. And did anybody see that story? And he felt like it was responding on its own. 
Y'all are like, I know that's Revelation chapter 12. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the crazy prophecy guy stands up in the back. I know, Tim LaHaye said it. No, anyway, uh, Skynet. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so <laughs> I'm not holding it together well today. Sorry. <laughs> I need more coffee. Uh, I didn't take my medicine this morning. I do apologize. But anyway, so he says, this machine is like literally on its own, doing its own thing, and he makes a big deal. Google it. <laughs> it's there. Unless the guy erased, unless the robot erased it. I don't know. Uh, so the guy doing the interview says to the other fellow who's super smart and knows all about this stuff, What's, what are the odds that this happens? And he dismantles it. He says, you know, there's no way. Here's what it is, and here's why it's responding that way, and we've got nothing to worry about. And the guy that was interviewing him was like, but what about in 50 years? Do you think they could become sentient if? And he kept rattling on all these facts of why it couldn't happen. And ultimately, and the guy who was interviewing, he's really smart, right? Not like fact smart, but he's good at getting people to the point. He says to, them, he says to him, what's the missing link then? Why can't it happen? He goes, you know what? It's because we don't know what makes a human brain tick. We know everything about science. We know about biology. We get it. But we can't manufacture or remanufacture human consciousness. You know where I'm going with this? I was like, you got billions. You pay people to figure out the craziest of formulas. Look, for a million dollars, I'll explain to you where human consciousness comes from. You know what I'm saying? For, I'd do it for free. I'm just kidding. I wouldn't want his money. F-R-E-E. -E. I will explain to you why you haven't been able to figure out the equation or crack the code. Why we've got all this money tied up in things that complement it but can't be it. Look, if that ain't proof for a higher power supreme being, Yahweh, I don't know what is. You hear the billionaires chit-chatting about all of their religions, if you will. And by the way, he was trashing religion. Why? Because he's trashing everything that says that they have the answer to the one thing that, guess what? He don't have the answer to. And there's one thing I know about smarty pants. I've never been a smarty pants. But smarty pants don't like it when they're told that they're wrong and you can actually prove it. <laughs> I was like, man, it would be neat to be on that podcast. But consider that. Human consciousness, the brain, we just haven't figured out. <laughs> well, when they're gone, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's almost like the Lord breathed the breath of life and they became a human soul. It's almost like we were created in someone else's image. In the image of God created he them, male and female. Oh, but they don't <laughs> anyway, That's for a conversation maybe five years ago, not in this year. Male and non-binary, what? I don't even know anymore. We don't know. If we can't answer the question of what is a woman or what is a man, then why would we ever ask the question, well, what is God? Do you see where this is going? I'm not crazy here, you know what I mean? I'm the one in the room going, hey, hey, I know, I got it figured out. Because I didn't figure it out. We all feel it. We all know it. There's something that ties us together, and it's deeper than what our biological makeup can do. You see, this is why you're saying your biological makeup can be whatever the heck you want it to be, because it's
fix it. So what is God and what is the purpose and reason for God? The title of today's message is this. Letting God be God. Letting God be God. You see, last week we talked about what happens when you're alone. Remember? For those of you that were here, go back and listen to it if you didn't. But what happens when God leads us to a difficult place? Well, here's, here's the, the next passage that Paul talks and walks us through is this. is like, look, when you get through the alone times with the prophet Elijah, when you do and stand and walk through the things that he spent the things that he walked through, you're going to have to get to the point where you understand that God is working no matter what. You're going to have to get to a point of acceptance, even when you can't control it. So I want to read this text. I want to walk through this with you. And I, my hope today is just to get, I have like six practical things that I want to give you out of this passage. But I want to make this clear before, before we go any further. The interview that had me thinking, right? Adolf Hitler quoting scripture, like the FLDS, Netflix thing, all the crazy cults out there that are just twisting scripture, like no joke. And, and I'm like, I'm looking at some folks like, it's 20, is it 2022? <laughs> Look, it's 2022. The internet does exist. And all you got to do is fact check some of that stuff. And you'd be like, oh, that ain't right. But this is what people do in, in cults and areas like that. Don't look. Shun the non-believer. <laughs> Remember that? Was that Charlie the Unicorn? <laughs> Where did that come from? Who remembers that? <laughs> Shun the non-believer, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. Candy Mountain. Anyway, whatever. It was a stupid video. Big waste of my life. Y'all are like, he for real didn't take his medicine today. <laughs> so here's here's my thing the internet exists i mean there are biblical scholars out there going that's not true they're twisting scripture and people are like la 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 and here's why because literally they're being controlled i want y'all to know this number one i have no desire to control anybody i'm just putting this out in the universe I've got online, in person, I have no desire to control anybody. And, and I want to make that evident in my preaching that all I'm trying to do is introduce you to someone who is the best one to have control in your life, and it ain't me. Because I personally am giving him my life, and I'm letting him control whatever he wants. So how am I going to step out of that? And no joke, like watching some of these documentaries and these creeps that are saying that they've heard a word from the Lord... And then they break scripture. The Lord never has worked that way. Even Jesus himself. Not my will, but thine. Scripture is never violated by the Holy Spirit. Never. So if someone receives a revelation that goes against the word of God and they say it's for you, run. We've got a real good benchmark for if this is cult-like behavior, and it's the Bible. And when, it, when it's a cult, they are twisting that scripture 10 ways to Friday. And it's accepted. It's believed by a, a, a large group of people that it's wrong. Number two, number one, I have no desire to control anyone. Number two, I, this is not the message. This is intro. Number two, I don't have a purpose for your life. Is that a good one? All right, amen. What's the score? What's the score? Number two, 
Uh, please silence your cell phones. Number two, I don't have a purpose for your life. It's not my purpose. You have to figure out what God's purpose is for your life. I don't, I'm walking in my purpose. I'm walking in what God wants for me. And you got to walk in that. And when we all submit to God's plan and purpose for our life in unity, that's when we get along. That's the church. Right? Okay, number three. Y'all are like, uh-uh. You don't have a purpose for us, Pastor? I mean, I have a plan and a vision for our church, but you personally, you have to figure out what God's purpose is for your life and how that fits into the grand scheme of his church. And that's where, look, I got a sty in my eye. I think it's a sty. I don't know what it is. You may see that. I mean, I mean you can see it from a mile away. <laughs> really, what I was going to say is, I got in a fight this week at jujitsu, and somebody, Mr. Dave, clocked me one good. No, <laughs> uh, that would have been a better story, but it's not the truth. You are like, okay. Anyway, my point is, is like Sarah and I were talking. Maybe this is a man thing. I don't know, but it's like I had a sty. Like my eye had a little bump in it. I couldn't do anything for like a whole day. I just like wanted to lay down, and I'm like, can someone bring me like? A coffee and a drink. I look like, man, I was out. I'm like, I can't think straight. I'm trying to write my message. I felt like Job. I was stricken with boils all over me. No, it was just a sty. And I literally couldn't function for a day. Oh, it was so bad. And, I, and we were talking about it. But, like, think about what the Apostle Paul said about the church. If there's a foot out of place. If there's a toe, look, if you stub your toe, it wrecks your entire night. You think that you're insignificant. You think that you don't have to figure out your plan and your purpose that God has for you and how that fits into the church. The church will just go on. They don't need me to figure it out. They don't need me to serve. They don't need me to do what God wants me to do. They've, there's plenty of people. Have you ever gotten a sty? You ever stubbed your toe? You ever broken a finger? It wrecks your whole freaking day. Come on now. It's the equivalent. You need your whole body operating at optimal performance. And that's the church. So you're not insignificant. Yeah, you might be the armpit. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> your opinions. But if the armpits stink, nobody's going to go out to lunch with you. You know what I'm saying. It's the way it is. So it, you need to figure this thing out. You do. All right. Let's get to the text at 1151. It's a simple message. Read it with me. Here it is, chapter 11, verse 11. I ask then, have they stumbled so as to fall? Absolutely not. Remember, this is a conversation about Torah-abiding Jews that have fallen away. Paul is saying, is God done with the Jews? No, he's not. But he is working. And where do the Gentiles fit in? This is a continuation of that conversation. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go back and listen to last week's message. Continue here. I ask then, have they stumbled so as to fall? Absolutely not. On the contrary, by their transgression, the Jews, salvation has come to the Gentiles to make Israel jealous. Now, if their transgression brings riches for the world, and their failure riches for Gentiles, how much more, I underline this in my Bible, how much more will their fullness bring? 
verse 13. Now I am speaking to you Gentiles insofar as I'm an apostle to the Gentiles. I magnify my ministry, verse 14, if I might somehow make my own people what? Jealous and save some of them. Who's he talking about? The Jews. He's talking about the Jews. He's saying the Jews rejected it. Because they rejected it, it gave the Gentiles a shot. And when the Gentiles buy in and they're like, oh my goodness, yes, this Jesus, this is amazing. Then the Jews that rejected it are like, wait a minute. I had that originally. And Paul's like, this is going to make them jealous. You follow me? All right. People take this scripture and they twist it. And <laughs> it's crazy, right? It's actually really simple. Okay. Let's continue to walk through it. How much more will their acceptance be? Verse 15, let's, where, where are we at? Yeah, look at verse 15. Uh, la, 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 la. For if their rejection brings reconciliation to the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? Now, if the first fruits are holy, so is the whole batch. And if the root is holy, so are the what? Uh-huh. Now, if some of the branches were broken off, who are those? The Jews, if some of the branches were broken off and you, who he shifted focus to the Gentiles, and you, though a wild olive branch, were grafted in among them and have come to share in the rich root of the cultivated olive tree, do not boast that you are better than those branches, but if you do boast, you do not sustain the root, but the root sustains who? You then you will say branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. True enough. They were broken off because of unbelief. Don't miss that. But you stand by what? By faith. Do not be arrogant, but beware. Why is he saying don't be arrogant? Because you're not the what? You're not the root. You're the branch. You follow? But beware because, verse 21, if God did not spare the natural branches, who is that? He will not spare who? You either. Therefore, consider God's, this is twofold, consider God's kindness and severity. Severity towards those who have fallen, but God's kindness towards you. If you remain in his kindness, Gentile, otherwise you too will be cut off. And even they, if they do not remain in unbelief, will be grafted in. Because God has the power to graft them in what? It ain't rocket science. How many know that you can do that with, with plants and stuff? I, I have the opposite of a green thumb. What's that? What color is that? Every, everything in my yard is dying. Everything. Even the things we plant. Like what? I feel like, I mean, ever heard of bagworms? Oh, my goodness. They got me this year. I mean, they got me bad. My shrubs are gone. Miss Utility came to mark where the wires are so that I can rip them puppies out of there. I mean, it's bad. Everything in my house is dying. <laughs> but understand that if the roots are good, you can graft in other kind of trees. I don't know how that works, but it works. <laughs> Let's keep going because there's some good stuff here. And even if... They do not believe, or even if they do not remain in unbelief, they will be grafted in. Look at verse 24. This is so good. For if you were cut off from your native wild olive tree and against nature were grafted into a cultivated olive tree, 
How much more will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? In other words, it's going to be natural for them to come back to it. I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters. But just stop there for a second. I feel like we're real ignorant about this. I feel like people are just all over the place. It's all about Israel. It's all about the church. I mean, there's so many arguments over this. But does this look like something we should be arguing over, or does it seem pretty cut and dry and really simple? Okay, all right. I'm just checking. Let's keep going. Verse 20, oh, no, no, verse 25. I don't want you to be ignorant so that you will not be conceited. A partial hardening has come upon Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. In other words, God is saying, I'm using their unbelief as an opportunity to get the gospel to every nation. I'm not purposefully putting them in that state. I'm using their state against them, but also for their own good. Why? Because they're going to be jealous. Just continue. Take a breath. It's okay. Until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Look at verse 26. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn uh, godlessness away from Jacob. And this will be my covenant with them when I take away their sins. Regarding the gospel, Romans 1.16, they are enemies for your advantage. But regarding election, and that's where people get so hung up here, they are loved because of the patriarchs. Since God's gracious gifts and callings are irrevocable, as you once disobeyed God, but now have received mercy through their what? Disobedience. So they too have now disobeyed, resulting in mercy to you, so that you may now receive mercy. This next verse is mind-boggling. If this next verse was on its own, I probably wouldn't be a Christian, just to be honest. I would be like, this whole thing makes no sense and I'm out, right? But you have to read verses like this in the context of everything that we just read. Look at verse 32. For God has imprisoned all in disobedience so that he may have what? Mercy on all. So the author is not saying God purposefully has made everyone to disobey so that he could give everyone mercy. Is that what the passage is saying? No, he's using a broad stroke in his painting. He's not talking about the detail of election. He's not talking about the detail of administering justification by faith. He's talking about because of disobedience, he's painting the sky. There's mercy for all. See what he's doing? And then on that same token, look at the end of the chapter. I love this. It's a song. It's a poem. It's this hymn, if you will. Look at it. Read it with me. Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and untraceable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? And who has ever given to God so that he should be repaid? And this, this line here is used in a lot of songs. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. <laughs> First of all, the song says this. Uh, for who has known the mind of the Lord? What's the answer? Nobody. 
Come on, say it. Nobody. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Nobody. Nobody. The second thing he says at the end in this song, he says, who has given the Lord counsel? Nobody. Any of y'all, the Lord comes to you secretly and he's like, I just don't know what to do with the universe. And I know you know. Some of y'all act like that. If the Lord were to just ask me. And you say, how do, how do I know that you act like that? Because you never shut up. You always have something to give, but never anything to what? I'm just saying. <laughs> Nobody has given the Lord counsel. What's the third thing he says? How many of you, the Lord has come to you and got a loan? He needed lunch money, so he came to you. Anybody? Any ever given, anybody ever given the Lord lunch money? What's the answer? No. Okay, so if nobody's given the Lord counsel and nobody's given the Lord lunch money, Nobody's told the Lord what to do. It's because he's what? He's God. And this whole passage of scripture, Paul is saying, you Torah, y'all are going to be the Torah abiding Jews. You Torah abiding Jews. <laughs> y'all got to eat kosher today. <laughs> I'm going over here. You Torah abiding Jews, stop forcing on non-Torah abiding Gentiles your way and your relationship with the Lord because the Lord is bigger than just you and your relationship with him. He's got a relationship, guess what? With everybody. And how this plant started, this olive tree, it, yeah, the root said it had olive branches. He was a Jew, Jesus. He came unto his own and his own received him not, but as many as received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe what? On his name. The, the, the root of a Jewish plant brought forth other Jews, but at some point they were cut off and God said, look, I'm going to take you Gentiles and I'm going to graft you in and it's okay because I'm the source of life. I can say, no one comes to the root and says, hey, root, don't you give nutrients to that branch that was grafted in. It doesn't look like us. It doesn't smell like us. It doesn't act like us. And Paul is saying, God has had a plan from the beginning. But we Christians don't act like that. We're like, their system of theology is not as good as ours. Their worship isn't as good as ours. Their coffee, for sure, isn't as good as ours. Like we are, oh my Lord, help us. Lord, have mercy. Do you get what I'm saying? Does your lifestyle reflect that you're letting God be God? Here's what this means. Less answers. Less answers. I want to say, I've reached this point as a pastor and in my ministry where I'm willing to tell you, this, this was hard for me, I'm willing to tell you, hey, guess what? I don't know. I don't know. But pastor, what about this? Hey, guess what? I'm not sure. I'm really not. Are you serious? I'm going to go down the street to the other guy who has all the answers. You do that, sweetheart. <laughs> and he'll have every answer for every area of your life as well. <laughs> he'll fill in all the blanks for you. Just ask him. He'll tell you how everything should be. Where's the fun in that tree? <laughs> Some of y'all that have been in that environment, you understand what I'm saying. The funny thing about this is one of my daughters <laughs> was like doing us a favor one day, right? 
we had hydrangeas that we had planted when we first got there last year. Thank you for correcting me because I absolutely don't know. <laughs> we planted these hydrangeas, right? And we were so looking forward to them. Really, like, it'd be so pretty, right? And like all that was there were these like dead sticks. If you know about hydrangeas, right? It's the remnants of what was there. And we probably should have removed those, you know, maybe a few weeks prior. But like these things are gonna be so pretty. And one of my children will leave it there. <clears throat> gets her mother's indoor, because Sarah has like a whole corner of a jungle inside of our house. Like all these plants. If you've been to my house, you understand what I'm saying. Her fiddle leaf is like a hundred foot tall. It's like going out the window and up the side of the house. Jack and the Beanstalk lives right there. But anyway, her, her house plants are legit. But she's got her little pruning shears, you know, and she goes around, you know, the cute wife, watering the, the indoor plants and pruning them. So Rainy's like, I'm going to go outside and do what mom does, water everything. I'm going to get rid of the weeds. So she comes in like maybe 30 minutes later. Hey, Dad, I took care of the weeds in the flower bed. I didn't know there were weeds in the flower bed. Thanks, Rainy. And she holds up these nice green stalks that were the beginning of our hydrangeas and cut them right off. We're like, no. I mean, we were salty for at least a week. Every time we went outside and got in the car, see that, Rainy? Look at those beautiful. Oh, I said it. See those beautiful hydrangeas over there? Oh, they're gorgeous. Shut up, Dad. I mean, we shamed her. Oh, we did. It was real. Man, we're like, we'll never see those this year. How does that feel? Never, never see them. <laughs> but what's the difference? The difference is, even if the hydrangea was big and full and in bloom, we go and we clip those things. And we take that pretty flower. But the problem is, is once you remove it from the root, you just started the time clock. You just started the time clock. That thing is dying. It's dying. It's on its way. And every day, whether you water it or not, the same result is coming. Because it's not connected to the root. And the problem is, is we cannot, we absolutely cannot let God be God in our lives when we have trimmed ourselves from the root system and all we're doing is living in our period of just like I'm so pretty <laughs> look at me I'm a beautiful flower I love the Lord I'm so pretty but what happens they're here today and they're gone tomorrow Psalm 1 it says that we should be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bringeth forth fruit in its season its leaf also Sorry, this is King James. <laughs> its leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever it doeth will what? Prosper. Some Christians never see God's plan prosper in their life because they remove themselves from the source. And all you're doing about what's in your life is creating a smokescreen. You're in someone's vase in a house. You're put on display, and I'm here to tell you this is not the church for that. We ain't putting ourselves on display. We may be some wild-looking branch, where did you come from? I don't even know. But you know what? The root is giving them what they need. I don't even care, really. I really don't. And I for sure that grew up as some kind of OG Christian from the beginning of, of my life, from the inception in my mother's womb, was hearing the hymns of the Lord. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not looking at another branch and judging that. 
Why? Because I know that I'm not the root. I'm just another branch. It's not my purpose for their life. This root is going to take us where we need to go. This is how God works. Paul is saying, why are you having such a hard time with this? You ain't the root. Some of y'all need to just stop, take a breath, and think about, do I have problems with other branches? Did the Lord prune something off of me that I'm still salty about? All right, I got six things, and then you're ready. Who's ready to go to the house? You know what I'm saying? Who's got some dinner in the crock pot? Anybody? Who's going to dinner? Who's going out to dinner? Come on now. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's right. Anybody going to sunset today? Is it too hot? Maybe. That's what I'm saying. Who's going to Pasta Blitz? Anybody? Nobody? Look, we got a patron these places down here, you know? Maybe, maybe. Let me give you these real quick. Hey, when it comes to letting God be God, do you understand what I'm saying now? Have we laid the groundwork? Number one, God is for everyone. This takes, this takes some churches and cults right out of it. God is for everyone. Listen to this statement. If you are excluding people for a reason that they cannot change, then you are wrong. Notice how I said that, though. There are a lot of people in today's context that are saying that they are a certain way and that they can't change it, but they actually weren't born like that. That's what they've come up with up to this point. And it's continued to be fluid and change. And, and in society today, the Bible says that God created what? Male and... Society's kind of telling us a different story, huh? Does anybody see that or is it just me? Like all over my social media... <laughs> or wherever it is electronically. You know what I'm saying? It's like, there's a message that you can, I saw a clip this week. I think Cody shared it. I was just like, Pfft. like people can't say what a woman is. I'm like, once again, here's the billionaire that can't answer the question of life. You want to pay me a million? I'll tell you what a woman is right now. I'll tell you what a man is right now. I got this. You know, and I understand the, the complexity of some people's issues and what maybe some would call mental illness. That's okay. And I'm not being silly or funny. I'm saying that God is for everyone. Now, wait a minute. Stay with me, church. Now, wait a minute. You just showed your ignorance, and you downgraded, and you picked fun of people, and you said God is for everyone. Here's the thing. I'm not the root. If God says that you're a man or a woman, then that's God's choice, and that's God's decision. And God is for, guess what? You. And if you're watching online, God is for you. It doesn't matter who you are or who you what? Think you are. God loves you, and he is for you. And that's why in my relationship with, with folks that don't agree with me and don't look at things the same way, guess what? I still love them. Because at any point, if they get grafted in, guess what? They're going to receive something from the root that they've never received before. And I'm going to be like, uh, I can't wait. I watch them get grafted in, and I'm like, you, you want some of that? You want the love of Christ? You just wait. You just wait. But you see, when Christians look at someone who ain't like them, and they're like, oh, don't graft that in over here. We just got the heads trimmed. Uh, we like the way this looks. Get out of here. Us OCD Christians that don't like our churches to look different, 
that don't like people from other races, this ain't the church from you, for you. Get out. Mm. I can't tell you how this isn't the place for you. Loud enough and strong enough. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can't be that voice to say, no, this ain't the... No, no, we let them get grafted in and walk them through the truth that comes from the root. It's okay. It's all right. It's going to be all right. God is for everyone. Number two, that was a lot. When we reach our end with someone, let me explain something to you. Number two, God is still working. Here's what I see from this text. He said the OGs were cut off, and that gave opportunity for new people. And when the new people get it, the OGs are going to go, I want it again. And I got space for the OG. I got space for the new. I got, pe- I got space for people who don't even know that I'm here. And, and until the fullness of the Gentiles has come, in other words, Paul is saying, until everybody hears about Jesus, this thing ain't going away. And here we are 2,000 years later saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. I like hearing Kaylee sing that. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He made a way. Let's sing it right now. Come on, where's the right now? <laughs> Look, it, it's, we're still saying it. We're still talking about it. Why? Because when we reach our end, God is still working. You know what? Let this be an encouragement to you today that for many of you that might have a wayward son or daughter, for those that are working on their coworker and they're just not getting it. Hey, let me God uses rejection and what? Acceptance. It's okay. The burden is not on you. The burden is on him. You're just sharing the message. You're not the root. You feel me? Hey, it's going to be okay. God is, even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. He never stops. He never stops working. It's who he is. It's what God does. He never stops. That song never stops either. (laughs) He's working. He's working. Number two is when we reach our end with someone, God is still working. So let that be a lesson. Don't let it be your end. You might need separation for a little while, but that's okay because God's still working. Number three, the best results in life will come from acceptance, not rejection. Verse 15, I underline this. It says, what will their acceptance mean? Here's, here's what the church does. The church says, well, those are all the people that rejected God and we are the elect. That's dumb in a lot of ways, right? And, and I don't mean to step on your systematic theology, but the point is, is that God is working with those that don't believe and he's working with those who what? Do believe. But we do need to prioritize believing. Do you feel me? That's where the difference is. It's not saying they'll never believe. God's done with you. You weren't predestined for what I have. It's they'll come around. I can continue to pray for every person that doesn't believe because God is working. And, and, and the truth of the matter is, is God always does more with acceptance. And so what Paul is saying is, hey, guys, accept one another. More will happen in the church of God when we accept it, when other people are grafted in that aren't like us. God does more when people submit to faith rather than reject faith. He'll still use rejection, but he really likes it when somebody says, I declare my loyalty to you. You are God. I mean, nobody's loaned you lunch money. 
No, I mean, man, I bum lunch money off of anybody. You know, <laughs> nobody's giving you counsel. Nobody's told you what to do. That alone sets you apart. Yahweh, you are the supreme being of the universe. Man, you're incredible. The acceptance is always the sweet spot. Number four, even when someone rejects God, God will still use your rejection. I wrote it again because I want you to hear it. I want you to see it. It's in the text. Do you see it? Do you believe it? God will still use rejection. Number five, remember that you are the branches and not the root. Have we established this today? Remember that you are the what? And not the root. Mm-hmm. And y'all, some of y'all husbands need to have, and vice versa, you need to say, honey, whenever I'm acting like the root, remind me that I'm just the branch. You need somebody in your life. We talked about this Wednesday night. You need somebody in your life that lets you know when you're stepping out. You need somebody in your life that lets you know when you're being judgmental about things that you absolutely struggle with. Right? You're the branch, not the root. Your life is the outcome of his grace. Some of y'all need to write that down. Text it to yourself. Put it on for tomorrow's calendar to wake up and see as a reminder my life is an outcome of his grace. Uh-huh. Yup. If I'm not the root, then that means everything I'm receiving today is a gift from the Lord. It's real hard to get on your high horse. It's real hard to think you're better than somebody else when your whole life is a gift from God. I'm just saying. Why do we have this thing of we think we're better than somebody else? Because we think we added something to God's plan. That's not letting God be God. The title of today's message is not let you be God in your life. That's not what Paul was saying. He's saying let God be God. And he ended it with a beautiful song that all of you need to read that for from him and by him do all things exist. Number five, remember is that you are the branches and not the root. Number six, and final, and we will pray and head to our respective places of dining after this. Number six, if God is your root, then let him decide what you do, why you do it, and who you're going to do it with. If God is your root, then let him decide what you're going to do, why you're going to do it, and who you're going to do it with. Some of y'all are like, huh? Like, I'm going to ask him. Nobody's lent him lunch money. Nobody's given him counsel. What was the third thing? I don't know. He's who? God, we can talk about AI and how the sentient robots are going to come and kill us all we want. But the truth of the matter is, the smartest of the smart can't answer human consciousness. We're spiritual beings. God gave us breath. If God takes our breath, we cease to be a, a human on this planet. Do you understand what I'm saying? God is God. And if God is going to be God in our life, then we have to let him decide what we're going to do, why we're going to do it, and who we're going to do it with. And he says, guess what? I want you to do life with whoever I decide to graft in next to you. Don't let it be my mother-in-law, Lord, please. You understand what I'm saying? I hope she's watching. No. I'm on a roll today. I promise my wife won't let me forget my medicine next week. Church, 
what you're going to do, why you're going to do it, and who you're going to do it with. It's okay. It's fake. (laughs) Kick that thing. It is. It's fake. Some of y'all need to remember who the root is. Mm -hmm. We're going to let God be who? Let God be true and every man a liar. Thank you for watching and joining us for our church online. I pray this experience was just what you needed today. If you made a decision for the Lord to follow Christ, or if the Lord did something in your heart that was special today, we would love to hear about it. Post it in the comments, send us a message, and we'll reach out to you. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.